1: What is to be our response to a secular world that is hostile towards biblical morality, a government that is, for the most part, anti-Christian in values, and a very uh, liberal outlook in our culture? I think we would all agree that that is is where our world is, and uh, where should we stand in this debate?
2: One of the most important questions each Christ follower has to answer is how best to face life in the sin-cursed mess in which we find ourselves these days. We are right to be displeased and even angry with the direction our communities and government are taking in regard to the things of God. But what should we do about it? Clearly, we must do something. It seems that almost every day I get another email urging me to boycott one company or another because of their stand on homosexuality, abortion, or some other hot-button sin. Other emails spread unsubstantiated rumors intended to bring down or embarrass government officials who have recommended or enacted policies that are anti-Christian. Is that the right approach for believers to take in a godless society? Or are we attempting, by political effort, to turn back the wrath of God which can only be turned back by repentance? How do we live in an ungodly society? Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will begin to address that question. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He will be leading us today as we learn from Titus, Chapter 3, and the advice the Apostle Paul gave to his young protege. Turn in your Bible now, if you can, and let's see what God says about our relationship with and responsibility to a government that hates God. Here's Pastor Steve.
1: This week, two papers of information came to my attention, uh, dealing basically with the same subject, but uh, coming from completely opposite viewpoints. Uh, the papers dealt with the Christian's responsibility in a pagan society. That is to say, how are we to respond to the uh, secular and uh, very ungodly climate of our day? That's what these both both these papers were about. One paper was from an organization called Coalition on Revival, and here's what their mission statement says. And this is the first perspective on how a Christian is to behave uh, and our responsibility in a pagan society. Here's their mission statement. To help unify and mobilize the church to rebuild civilization on the principles of the Bible. They go on to say that, and I quote, we believe that to fulfill the Great Commission in any city in the world, the Christian leaders from that city, suburbs, and, country, and county must jointly write their own 25-year plan for the church to rebuild the city's entire society upon the Bible. They go on to write that this plan includes all spheres of life, government, law, education, economics, medicine, and the church. That's one paper. The other paper I received was an editorial by a man named Stephen Black in the Times News of Hendersonville, North Carolina. Here's what he wrote, and I quote, Ain't nothing sacred anymore? A boycott on Mickey Mouse? On McDonald's? On ABC? 70 million people not going to Disney World? Of all the crackpot stunts the Southern Baptist leaders have ever pulled, the boycott of Disney has got to go down as the dopiest in their history. Aside from their former belief in slavery, this latest uh, direction proves the present Southern Baptist leadership is a dynasty in disaster. This latest Southern Baptist stunt is an incompetent uh, attempt at attacking the fruit of America's so-called decline in morality. Instead of attacking the root, this present group attempts to cure the symptoms. The Southern Baptist boycott is nothing less than a bully boy attempt at forcing Baptist codes of doctrine and behavior upon an audience who couldn't care less. It is the same type of Victorian poppycock of Christianizing the nations or the natives, whether they need it or not. If I, he wrote, were a Southern Baptist, which thanks be to God I am not, he wrote, I would be embarrassed and ashamed of having to march lockstep with a a silly bunch, ignorant of their own Bible. Strong language. So, you understand why I said these papers have two different viewpoints. One paper says that basically the church is to change society, uh, from a non-Christian culture to a Christian biblical culture. That is basically what the Coalition on Revival is saying. The other paper says that uh, it's wrong to force biblical codes and doctrines on a world that doesn't want them. The issue is who's right. Now, apart from Stephen Black's language, which is obviously derogatory of Southern Baptists, apart from the the strong language he uses, the question we need to ask is who's right? Which viewpoint is right? And, And where do we stand? Where should we stand on the debate? And even more importantly, is what does the Bible say about this? Regardless of where we stand, we want to stand where the Bible stands. What is to be our response to a secular world that is hostile towards biblical morality? A government that is, for the most part, anti Christian in values, and a very uh, liberal outlook in our culture. I think we would all agree that that is is where our world is. And uh, where should we stand in this debate? Now, before you answer this, and before you come to some conclusions without thinking through all the issues, you need to realize that one day the Lord Jesus Himself was faced with a similar situation. He was faced with the question of where should he stand in relation to the state? He was forced to to state where he stood in relation to a secular anti-God government that basically dominated society. And it happened that I'd like you to turn to Matthew, Chapter 22, because that's where it happened. Now, that's not our, our primary study this morning. It'll be in Titus, but I want you to see Matthew, Chapter 22. In Matthew, Chapter 22, A group of Pharisees and a group of Herodians asked Jesus a question. Now I must tell you, before we look at this, who the Pharisees were and who the Herodians were. The Pharisees were a religious group who were opposed to Rome. For the sake of context, you need to understand that. The Pharisees were a religious group. They were opposed to the Roman uh, rule over Israel. They opposed any any rule, especially Gentile rule over Israel. They rebelled against Gentile rulership. The Herodians, named after Herod, Herodians, Herod, uh, were very pro-Rome, even though they were Jewish. They were pro-Rome and they were loyal to Herod. And these two groups despised each other despised each other, but they came together one day to uh, to try to trap the Lord Jesus. And we read about this, Matthew chapter 22, verse 15. It says, Then the Pharisees went and counseled together how they might trap Jesus and what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. So these groups got together, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, you you probably know this is a famous story. Uh, is it lawful should we give a poll tax to caesar or not what was a poll tax now the romans taxed the jewish people for a lot of things but a poll tax of all the taxes that they had probably was the one that bothered the jewish people the most because a poll tax was basically a census tax which means just for being alive you gave rome money that's all was, there were no services rendered just because you said, I'm alive, and in your empire, I give you money. And they and they despised it. Now, these groups who opposed each other came together. They agreed on trapping Jesus. Now, why would this be a trap? Because this is what, what the issue really is. If Jesus says that it's right to pay taxes to Rome, then the Jewish people would say, you're a traitor. You can't be the Messiah. You're a traitor you don't care about us you care about rome and they would not follow him at all if on the other hand he says it's wrong to pay taxes to rome then the herodians would say uh, we're going to arrest you or report you to rome the roman authorities and you're going to be arrested for treason that's rebellion to government authority so what did jesus do very famous words verse 19. Show me, he said, the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is on it? And they said, some Caesars. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And with these famous words, Jesus made it clear that we have a responsibility to the government and we have a responsibility to God. We have a responsibility to the government. Have a responsibility to God. But what we want to do is take it a step further. And Jesus really didn't explain it here, as Paul does later on. But what we want to know is exactly what is our responsibility to a pagan government and a pagan society? What is our responsibility? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was referring to taxes. But how far do we go with this? How far do we uh, respond? What is to be our response? Are we to try to tear down the government and build a Christian nation? Are we to boycott everything? What what are we to do? Are we to just leave it alone? Uh, What what do we do with a government that is opposed to biblical values? Uh, We're citizens, quite frankly, of an ungodly state in an ungodly society. What do we do? Jesus only touched upon this in Matthew 22. That's all he did. He touched upon it. But in Titus chapter 3, Paul tackled the issue. He didn't touch upon it, he tackled the issue. And I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. In Titus chapter 3, as we begin Paul's last chapter to young Titus, who was to, in turn, take these truths and teach the church, uh, Paul begins to explain what a Christian's responsibility is in a pagan culture, a pagan society. And the first two verses deal with this. Paul says remind them to be subject to rulers to authorities to be obedient to uh, to be obedient to be ready for every good deed to malign no one to be uncontentious gentle showing every consideration for all men. Now in these two verses Paul tells Titus to remind the Christians on the islands of Crete that they have a responsibility in a pagan culture, a culture maybe they didn't even like. A government maybe they despise, but they have a responsibility and duties towards secular governments and secular people. Now, I want you to know this follows a pattern in Titus, whereby Paul has dealt the theme of Titus is the behavior of Christians, the godliness of Christians. Your behavior makes a difference. And let me just show you the pattern. So you'll see that the whole the whole letter kind of comes together. In chapter 1, Paul focused on church leaders, elders in particular. And he said elders basically are to be blameless. And then he listed the character qualities of an elder. Church elders are to make sure that their behavior is proper. Secondly, he moved into chapter 2 and he expanded a little bit from church elders to church members. And he went over the various age groups of people in the church the older men the older women the younger men the younger women titus was included in the younger men he dealt with slaves and uh, he spoke about their behavior not only in the church amongst themselves but at home Older women are to teach younger women. Why? To be godly at home. Slaves are to be obedient to their masters. Why? Because a slave operates within the context of a home. So it expanded a little bit. It was a small circle, first from the church to the church in the home. Now in chapter 3, the the circle widens, and Paul tells them how to conduct themselves towards government, non-Christian people, And uh, society in general. In other words, secular, ungodly society. Now, why do I say ungodly? Why do I say ungodly? Well, you look one verse down at verse three. We won't deal with this today, but I want you to see the context. This is the reason why we're to be kind to others. For, he says, we once, we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our lives in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Paul says, this is the way you were. You were once part of ungodly society. And now, because of God's kindness, and he goes on to speak about the kindness of God, our Savior, because of God's kindness, you have been transformed, you have been changed, you have been made a new creature in Christ. And now God has sent you out into to work with the same kind of people that you were once. The same kind of people, the same hateful kind of people, the same disobedient kind of people, the same ungodly kind of people that you were. And you're to be kind to them. And you have a responsibility to these people. So that's why I say ungodly. Ungodly. Work amongst and respond properly to the kind of people that you were were once like. Now, in the first two verses of Titus 3, Paul gives seven responsibilities that we have to an ungodly society, which includes its government and includes its people. This morning, we're only going to look at one of those responsibilities, but it is a mouthful. So... Get ready with your pens. You have an outline before you, and we want to look at responsibility number one is to be subject to rulers and authorities. That is to say, be subject to the government and and what what this really means. Paul begins chapter three. He says, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities. Let's, Let's just stop there. He begins this chapter by telling Titus to remind his people about their attitude and their conduct towards secular government. Now, it's very interesting. Paul says, Remind them, which would indicate that Paul had told them this before. If you're reminding somebody of something, they already have heard it. W- w- let me just take this a step further. Apparently, the Apostle Paul had instructed uh, these Christians on the islands of Crete when he was with them. He left Titus there and then he moved on. When he was with them, he told them how important it was for them to respond properly in obedience and submission to the government. And he must have said this a number of times because this apparently was a problem area with the Cretans. The reason I say that is not only because Paul said remind them, but uh, secular ancient writers tell us that the Cretans despised the Roman government. They had a real problem with the Roman government. This was a thorn in their flesh this was an area that really bothered them and so paul had to remind them and teach them and now he tells titus to remind them now is this not relevant for us to be reminded again to be subject to our government i know a few christians today who are not opposed to our government And the present administration in Washington. I know a few Christians who are not, I'm sure there are a few, there are some. But I know a few Christians who would say, yes, we endorse the government. Yes, we endorse the present administration because we like their values. Most Christians recognize that the values coming out of Washington, D.C. are opposed to biblical values. So much of what our government does and stands for is against Christian and biblical values. I mean, I think, I think we understand that. And to those who have a problem with the government over them, the Cretans and the Americans, Paul says, be subject to rulers and be subject to authorities. Not just the federal government, he's talking about all civil authorities as well. Now, Paul very clearly teaches that as Christians, we are to submit to the government that God has put over us. He didn't say submit to them if you agree with them he didn't say submit to them if it's a good government he just said submit to the governing authorities now quite frankly some american christians don't think that that they have to agree with this they 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 don't agree with what um, they're to do with this verse because they see our government is different they they hear this uh, but they do not practice this there are some christians who don't think they need to obey the government. And I'll tell you why. They're thinking it goes something like this. We don't agree with what our taxes are being used for. It's our money. We're giving it to to them. I'm not even going to give it to them, let alone obey what they say. I don't like what our government stands for. They don't like, perhaps, the speed limits the government imposes upon them. Why, why were there a few chuckles? Did I hear a few chuckles on that they uh, someone once said that the last thing to get converted is our right foot. Someone once said that they don't like the speed limits imposed on them and so they feel like uh, it's in the Bible obey but uh, you know no cars coming and I don't obviously the government's made a mistake here so uh, I'll go a lot faster. They don't think uh, the government is right on the restriction concerning licenses on certain things, so they don't feel they need to obey. Bureaucracy bothers them, and so they just forget that. Um, they, we, we certainly feel like uh, uh, the government is very liberal, so why do we have to obey this? We certainly abhor and despise the views that the government has on abortion. And so uh, we, we sort of have this attitude, at least many Christians do, that they know this is in the Bible. They know this. It's, it's in other places, too. First Peter speaks about this. Romans 13 speaks about this. And now Titus speaks about this. But somehow, they're exempt from this. They're exempt from this. Now, I, I want you to know, in spite of what you might feel about our government, and no question about it, our government is anti-Christian and, and getting more so, do you realize what the government uh, in, in Paul's day and in the Lord Jesus' day was like? Do you realize what the Roman government was like? I don't think many of us realize how bad it was. Take taxes, for example. Just taxes. Jesus said to pay them. He made very clear, said, look, show me the the coin. It's got Caesar's uh, imprint on it. Give it to Caesar. It belongs to him. You didn't make it, did you? It's his. Give it back to him. But do you realize... What that meant, it had an imprint of Caesar. I don't think we realize what that meant to the Jewish people, because we have on our coins presidents and and, uh, imprints and things like that. To a Jewish person in the first century, that meant idolatry. That was a graven image. A graven image. Not only that, but Caesar claimed to be God. The Jewish people believed that it was idolatry, and yet Jesus said, pay it. Pay it. Even if you think it's idolatry, pay it. Now, the Roman government, let me just tell you how bad they were. They were not only idolatrous. They were morally perverted. You think things are bad now. You should read about the Caesars. Most of them were homosexuals. Um, Many of them were incredibly gluttonous. Some of them actually killed their own families. Uh, They were morally perverted, tyrannical, oppressive, unjust, brutal, They practiced slavery. They persecuted the church. This was the government that put Paul, the same Paul who wrote Titus 3, put Paul in jail in Philippi and beat him illegally. This was the same government that put Paul in jail in Rome and sort of forgot about him for years. This was the same government that would eventually chop his head off after putting him in a horrible little dungeon in Rome. And I remind you, this was the same government that said, crucify the Son of God. It's about this government that Paul says, submit to it and every other kind of government.
2: I once read that all taxes paid by an average American over his or her entire lifetime are spent by the government in less than one second. That doesn't do a lot to encourage us to pay taxes or respect the laws made by an organization that can tear through our money so quickly. But the Bible clearly and repeatedly tells us to submit to the government, even when it is incompetent or ungodly. We'll learn about God's reasons for that command on the next Verse by Verse. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida is our guide as we explore the third chapter of Titus. Learning what God's Word has to say about the Christian, the government, and submission. Verse by Verse is a production of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. Here's Pastor Steve to tell you how you can get involved in keeping these classes on the air.
3: I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on verse by verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by By scripture, because uh, the word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758.
2: Thanks, Pastor Steve. Another place to learn about participating in this ministry is our website, versebyverseradio.org There is a link near the top right corner of the homepage that will take you to a page with more information. Also at our website, you can find hundreds of audio files available for download or you can listen online. The web address again is versebyverseradio that's all one word, Our class today was the start of a three-part message. You can order a CD or cassette with the entire message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Civil disobedience has become almost a cherished tradition in the Western world. Christians used the example in Acts chapter 4 of Peter and John when the Jewish leaders ordered them to stop teaching about Jesus. The apostles told the authorities that they could not do that. But the times when we actually need to disobey the law in order to obey God are extremely rare. We tend to honor civil disobedience, but we will find out on the next verse-by-verse why God's Word puts so much emphasis on civil obedience. I'm your announcer, Jerry
0: Pruden.